um, ready? Here, it's fake click. Oh, that was, that was so bad. That was so accurate. So accurate. We started recording like 10 minutes ago, but Rose realized she had an audio malfunction. And so here we are again, fresh. You guys missed the whole fun little and the joke I made about the two shots of vodka. It was and great. It was really obnoxious. It Everybody was... laughed. Welcome to Dinner and a Murder. Dinner and a Murder. We're just so irritated that we recorded for 10 minutes without actually literally recording. I I know. Now I'm like paranoid that it's not recording. Uh, it is. Um, I'm your host. My name is Rose. And mine is Chelsea. And this is episode four. Number four. Mm, numero four. Wow. Quattro. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was kind of like Snapchatting you, Rose, as this happened yesterday, but I need to tell you the whole story because it was just, I had a whole day yesterday. So Ryan is in the 501st Legion. Um, it's a really cool organization. And if you never heard of it, you should Google it. But yesterday they were trooping in the Veterans Day Parade here where we live, which was super cool. It was an awesome event, a really good cause. There were so, so many participants that walked in the parade. There were over 100, I think I read in a news article this morning, which is insane. Yeah. So he marched in the parade and I told him I was going to find a spot at the end of the parade so I could meet up with him when they were done. But the parade route was a mile long, so I went to the beginning of the route and I parked it. (laughs) (laughs) I was not walking all the way to the end. (laughs) It was really cool, though. It was in like the historic part of town at Fort Vancouver, which is really pretty. But yeah, so they started marching and... I'm trying to think. I think it was like half an hour before the parade started. I'd gotten my chair where I wanted it, got nice and comfy, and it downpoured. (laughs) Like, God just dropped a bucket on me specifically. Classic Chelsea. Classic me. And I had checked the weather earlier in the morning because I have the worst luck with not dressing appropriately for the weather. So I checked it and the radar said no rain until 1 p.m. So I was like, okay, cool. This parade is at 11. I'll be safe. I won't wear my windbreaker or bring my umbrella. I'll be fine. Of course not. Of course not. Mistake. Mistake number one. It stopped raining by the time the parade started, which was pretty good. But by the time the first marchers, I guess, I don't know, people participating in the parade, by the time they made it past me, I was drenched 
to the bone. I was shivering, like painful shivering. It was so bad. I didn't want to move from my chair. And like I said, there were over a hundred groups marching in this parade. And guess where their garrison was? Hmm. 63. They were in slot number 63 in the parade. (laughs) I think I waited an hour painfully shivering waiting for them to pass me and I had I felt like I had to wait I probably didn't need to but I felt like I had to wait to get pictures of the garrison marching in the parade and I did but I was disappointed because I only got like a handful of pictures and I couldn't even get all of them in the pictures so what were they all dressed like Chelsea oh my gosh oh my gosh they're gonna get so mad at me I don't know there were tell Tell the people what your husband be dressing like on the weekends. <laughs> My husband is not a stormtrooper. Like, I have called him for months and months and months. He's a biker scout. But yeah, as soon as um, they passed me in the parade, I packed up my chair and booked it back to our car. And it was kind of cool. I walked the rest of the length of the parade so I kind of got to see the rest without actually sitting and waiting for it yeah I just showed the parade to myself it was a good time (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh but yeah such a proud proud wife I know I know (laughs) Ryan's so cute in his little his little biker scout outfit he's like a little kid that gets like a costume for Halloween and then like never takes it off he that's, loves it so much. That's Ryan. I mean, he's building it. It's not like he bought it at a store. He's literally building everything. No, he put so <sighs> much effort into this costume. He taught himself how to sew to make this costume. It's a handy trait. Insanely impressive. I'm like so proud of him. But yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> Okie dokie. All right. Well, that was that was my weekend. It was lovely. I was so cold. Chelsea's lovely weekend. This week, I went to McGrath's Fish House, which is yeah. We've I mean Ryan and I have lived here in the Pacific Northwest for about a year now, and we kept passing this fish house near our neighborhood, and we never went. So we finally just said, "Screw it, let's go." It's a small chain in the Northwest Oregon area. I think when I looked it up, there were maybe six or seven locations. So it is a chain, but it's it's small enough to be considered local. Yeah. Obviously, they serve seafood. I'd hope so. <laughs> the restaurant had a very warm, cozy feel to it on the inside. The lighting was pretty dim, and it was made to look like a fishing cabin on the inside. Um, Like, the beams were all exposed wood. They looked like they had just come from the lager or whatever. It was was interesting on the inside. There was um, a mural on the wall, actually, that looked pretty cool. And it was painted to look like it was, like, decades and decades old. I'll post pictures of it, but it was interesting. I wasn't too impressed with their food, though. I I have to say, though, I'm... I had my hopes up for seafood here because the Pacific Northwest is known for having good seafood, but I feel like I was spoiled by being raised in the Chesapeake Bay area. Yeah, we kind of have like that. We're both East Coast girls, so we kind of have like 
the world of seafood at her feet too. So it's like our our taste and standards have already been set at that point. Oh my gosh. My biases about seafood have already been set. They are set in stone. So I was feeling homesick when we went to McGrath's and I was like, you know what? I really just want a crab cake. The crab cake entree came with two crab cakes, which were actually uh, crab and shrimp cakes. They were a mixture of both meats. Interesting. Topped with lobster sauce. They Mm. came with three halves of red potatoes. So it was like one and a half potatoes, technically. And each half of a potato was the size of my fist. Dang. They took up 90% of the plate. Mm, I love me some potatoes. It was insane. The menu said the crab cakes had light seasoning, which is a bald face lie because there was (laughs) so much filler in the crab cakes. Hardly any meat and peppers and onions mixed in. I was, I was very not pleased, but my like magnum opus crab cake is from Woody's Crab Shack in Northeast Maryland. Maybe it was like one of those restaurants that are always like, let's jazz up this old recipe with some stuff. So maybe it's not a Pacific Northwest thing. Maybe it's just like a new age thingy. I don't we'll know. Rein- I think reinvent the crab cake. <laughs> I think that's just how they make crab cakes here. Like the the crabs, Ew. the crabs that are available here are king crabs and snow crabs, I think. Those are the good kind, right? Well, I don't know nothing about crabs. They're supposed to be the good kind. There, It was a lot, the meat was a lot sweeter than a blue crab that I'm used to. Okay. And it just, it wasn't the same. I was, I mean, I was feeling homesick. I was going in there with Chesapeake crab cakes in my mind and I was sorely disappointed. You gotta go in with a blank slate. I know. I'm sure if I had gone in completely open-minded, I would have enjoyed the meal. Did Ryan eat anything? Did he enjoy anything? I forget what he ate, but he also felt meh about his meal. He wasn't all about it. And he's from like the the Midwest. He's, so he he's from have those. He's from all over. He was um, a military brat growing up, so he grew up in a lot of different places. But when he met me, I introduced him to the wonderful world of Chesapeake seafood and craft beer, and I spoiled him. He, he's he been biased from the start. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, with my meal, I ordered a Chateau St. Michel Riesling, which Ooh. I rarely drink wine, so I don't really have an educated opinion on how it was, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. It was a bit dry, but still on the sweeter side of the spectrum. And it paired pretty well with my crab cakes. They, they went well together. I mean, as much right, as Chelsea. as much as I complain about the meal, it was decent. I was just biased. So the question is, would I have liked the wine? <laughs> I think you definitely would. OK, I think. Yay. Yeah, I think you would have enjoyed I, that. I heard I heard dry and I was like, oh, and you said sweeter on the side. And I was yeah, like, no, I mean, maybe like Rieslings can go either way with sweet or dry. And it was definitely more on the sweeter side of the spectrum. It just had a teeny, teeny bit of a dry bite to it. But I yeah. thought it was really good. 
All right, Rose, tell me a story. <sighs> tell you a story, like a really nice one that's going to put you to bed and have sweet, lovely dreams. I have a feeling this is going to give me nightmares. It will. Um, uh, that's just too damn bad. Oh, damn um, it. <laughs> I'm tired, Grandpa. It's uh, too damn bad, little lady. <laughs> I love that movie. Okay. So, today, um, we're going to try... If I laugh during this, it's because uh, this is going to be super depressing and also super spooky. They're very um, nervous laughter. <laughs> um, um, that was really spot on. Um, hire me. Um, okay, so today we are talking. We're talking about Penhurst State School and Hospital. Fun <laughs> fact: I made Rose do this episode because I don't like it. Yes, she did, and it was like a learning experience to me. Okay, so just like a quick little. This is our first paranormal episode. It oh, is. I just realized it's very that. special. Oh, yeah. Very special, near and dear to our hearts. So it is located in Spring City, Chester County, Pennsylvania, USA. It's not really too far from where Chelsea and I lived and kind of grew up and all that fun stuff. Some other people might know it as the Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic or Penhurst Asylum. Penhurst is really well known in our area where we're from in Delaware, except for me. I'm like the only person who's never like never heard of it until it came back around a couple years ago, <laughs> which I'll get into later. <laughs> I didn't know it was like a le- legitimately real place. Like, I didn't realize that it was a mental institution. You just thought it was uh, a haunted so attraction? I just thought it was a haunted attraction. Um, mm, yeah, sorry to bust your bubble, sweetie. Sorry to burst my bubble. So let's jump into it. We're going to start with the history of Penhurst before we get into the spoopy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so where is Penhurst, you might ask? Good question. It is <laughs> just 35 miles, I guess you would say northwestish. Like It's more west than it is north. About 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. It's situated on 1,400 acres. It was so big, it once had its own railroad. Though it looks very beautiful on the outside, the inside, and this is uh, somebody's description, reminds them of 19th century London. And we all know from the first episode how great that was. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was just a beautiful place to be. <laughs> Okay, let's dig on in. Eastern Pennsylvania State Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic was commissioned by the Pennsylvania Legislator on January 23rd, 1903. And it was the second institution of its kind operated by the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Um, It is where children with epilepsy could go to school and be in a safe place. Sounds like a great place doesn't it the best of intentions Um, yeah i was wondering like was epilepsy just rampant in this part of the country and i try to look it up the only thing that i have is that uh epilepsy is more common in lower income areas and countries so i couldn't find a correlation i don't know if it's something maybe in the water i don't know i was about to say i I thought it was like a genetic thing 
Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was too. But I mean, if it's happily, if it's more prevalent in lower income areas and countries, then there's got to be some kind of yeah a- environmental cause to it. But I didn't. I, mean, I wasn't able to really look too much into it. But it was just like a question I had. Well, the area where Penhurst was built was a huge coal mining community, so that might contribute. Yeah. And all that drinking, that very, runoff. Very low income in that area. Yeah. At the time when it was first commissioned, the building was large enough to house no more than 500 residents. In the beginning, uh, residents were referred to as inmates rather than patients. However, by the 60s, residents were called children regardless of their age. Mm, not okay with that. Yeah. Uh, The first patient was admitted on November 23rd, 1908, and the records labeled this individual as patient number one. I don't like that. I don't. The removal of a name is so dehumanizing. So there's literally no name on record for this person. There's no name on record for this person. And that's very upsetting. It's it's like a shame. It's like they've been erased from history. Yeah, seriously. In 1912, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities were deemed incompatible to cohabitate in the same treatment facility as epileptic patients. So then they started uh, segregating them. Oh, because that's just led to wonderful things historically. Yes, always. In 1916, a commission for a building to house up to 1,200 female inmates, that's the word that they used there, which is residents, was ordered. And in 1921, Penhurst Hospital opens. The female campus then opens its first three of its eventual five buildings in 1930. So the next thing I'm going to say is the first instance of really evidence of when things started getting bad. So on May 31st, 1930, there were 1,247 residents reported at Penhurst. Isn't that twice capacity? Yes. Oh, my God. uh, With more coming in. And the Board of Trustees start to urge the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania for more funding. So that's just like a first little hint as to what is to come. Uh. Yes. So now we get to 1968. Um, in 68, there were 20, about 2,800 residents, but mm. only nine medical doctors and two <sighs> psychiatrists working full time. Oh, my God. Uh, so residences, residents, I don't know why I'm having such a hard time saying this word. Residents rarely received medical attention. Mm-hmm. So this, this is our jump start into. Mm. It's an already expose. breaking my heart. I know. So this is the segue into an expose that happened in 1968. NBC 10's Bill Baldini released a five part expose on Penhurst called Suffer the Little Children, which <laughs> exposed the following. So this guy's name is just, if there was ever a name that suited a person, this is it. <laughs> Why? Like, his name is Dr. Jesse Fear. Oh, my God. His legal name and the actual spelling of Fear. He was the resident head physician. He had... been interviewed by Baldini and he described a form of punishment called downgrading, which entailed putting higher functioning patients into a cottage with lower functioning patients in order to quote, 
offend the dignity, unquote, of those patients. Oh, my God. They would be teased and just completely and totally humiliated by uh, other residents and patients and such. Uh, And he thought that was fine. Dr. Fear once wanted to give a patient or a young resident who wasn't responding to any other form of punishment. He wanted to give them the most painful injection that wouldn't cause permanent damage as a form of punishment. Oh, my God. Um, Yes. So he we watched the documentary like I did. He he kind of laughed and was like, yeah, he really he he was kind of just like he got he hit the ceiling after that kind of thing and he was just like such a jackass oh my god i've seen this Um, documentary before and it makes me cry every time yeah so he did have after the expose aired dr fear was put on 30 day unpaid suspension and there's no other accounts of any other abuse after that but he should have been fired absolutely Um, and possibly and Definitely freaking tried for abuse. <laughs> he, um, he definitely should have. But I mean, when you think about it, he was one of only a handful of doctors to take care of thousands of patients. So they probably could not afford to lose him. I guess. <sighs> Still very <sighs> upsetting. As a whole, they would give barbable bar. Barbituates? Barbitol. 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 That's what it is. I was like, my brain knew what it was. Barbitol. Uh, They would give it intravenously, uh, which was primarily used from 1903 to the 1950s as a sleep aid to sedate sedate children. Oh, my God. But they used it as like a form to like, like it, it had already been kind of phased out as being used for that. And they used it to sedate patients. So, like, they didn't have enough hands to cater to these people, so they would just knock them out. Yep. They were just like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have time to deal with this. And then they would just give them these drugs. Oh, my God. Baldini interviewed a child named Johnny who was an average functioning at an average functioning level. By all, you know, means he shouldn't have been committed into Penhurst to begin with, but his parents were delinquent and it was believed he would become delinquent as well. And so they committed him to Penhurst and he was not the only average functioning child there. But the longer the children were there, the more they regressed. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So that was and then they would be punished for doing things that kids do. I (sighs) mean, not and not sitting in a corner or getting a smacked butt like they were severely punished. One of the things that the uh, the expose pointed out, which I thought was super interesting, so the largest zoo at the, in the area spent on average seven dollars and fifteen cents, which is about fifty two dollars and seventy five cents or forty pounds seventy six today per animal per day, mm. whereas at Penhurst they spent. which was about $43 or 33 pounds today per resident per day. And 80% of that, of that $5.90, went towards administrative costs, meaning there was 75 cents left to care for the residents, which is about $5 or four pounds today. They were literally treated worse than animals. Yes. Oh, my God. 
cottages were severely overcrowded at the time their capacity was 1984 they had 2791 oh my god they had stated that 1500 staff would be adequate to provide minimum care they only had 800 so oh my god they did have other full-time staff but they only had the two psychiatrists and the nine medical doctors full-time they had part-time ones and other full-time like nurses and such but yeah so they only had 800 when they said 1500 would be the bare minimum to provide the care necessary. Yeah. And I mean, that that 800 people that they had were the people that were supposed to take care of, you know, day to day care of these people. Yeah. And they a, were totally them, overwhelmed. Yeah. A lot of them were good people who genuinely wanted to help, but they were just burned out and stretched so thin that it would be impossible for them to provide the care that was necessary for these people. No, definitely And then you not. have the other people who are obviously so burned out that they began to lash out at their residents. Mm-hmm. Um, if they went by the, the minimum state requirements for building codes, the buildings would all be shut down. Oh, That's my how bad God. the buildings were. Um, however, the dietitian in the lovely expose was like, we give all of our residents well-balanced meals. I can't see that being true. <laughs> yeah, I call bullshit on that. At all. At 75 um, cents a day. No, no, no. Yeah. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, it just seemed like society cared more for the animals than they did for the patients that the society was supposed to take care of. Well, honestly, there that is- probably is the case because... You know, these they people kinda, that were being committed were the quote unquote undesirables that mm-hmm. people didn't want to see in society. And I'm sure. Oh, it's disgusting. The 1960s weren't the best places for zoos either. So I can only imagine what I mean for animals in the zoos. Um. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> if you think about it that way, too, like yeah. people had it's such like, little respect for animals back then, a lot less than we do now. And Still, the animals were better treated than our fellow human beings. Yeah. It was so bad and the conditions in the institution were so bad that Baldini couldn't even present the conclusion to his expose series because it was a five part series over a span of a week. And he like presented each episode, but he just by the by the fifth episode, such an emotional, physical and mental toll had been on him that another newscaster had to conclude his expose for him. Wow. Um, To give you kind of what day-to-day life was for a lot of these people. So adults were left in cribs and wearing diapers throughout the day. Oftentimes they were strapped to their adult side cribs. Their muscles were visibly atrophied from being left in the cribs all day. And they were just like, the pictures of them are just like in like a fetal position. And I honestly thought they were children. They're adults, like full grown adults. That's how small they were. That's insane. So you tell me that you've been feeding them well. Dietitian lady. Yeah, bullshit. (sighs) Anyway. Well, maybe uh, if they were not well enough to get up on their own and go to the cafeteria, then they just weren't being fed. God, that's awful. Um, It's just my thought. But they weren't well enough because they just left them in the beds. It wasn't. They're just sort of like, I don't want to have to deal with them. Shoot them up with some of that Bartabol stuff. What was it? 
Barbital. <laughs> Barbital. <laughs> you can tell that I worked for three years as a as a farm tech, couldn't you? <laughs> um, so basically, Baldini was like Penhurst upheld said that Penhurst upheld the 19th century belief that the mentally ill should be condemned and punished in an institution like Penhurst. They can't um, help what they're doing. Why should they be punished? I know. Uh, so he's saying that Penhurst is just old way of thinking, like 19th century way of thinking. We're in the 20th century. We're almost at the end of the 20th century. We need to get our shit together. Fuck yeah. Um, Baldini had did interview several uh, residents. Some stated that they wanted to live outside of Penhurst and work. So they showed a desire to be functioning members of society. Others stated that they didn't feel as though the staff care f- staff cared for them. Um, and a lot of them, like I stated earlier, hadn't had visitors, one of them. So this expose happened in 1968. One of them set, stated that their sister left them there in 1940, and that was the last time he ever had a visitor. Oh, my God. 28 so, years? Yes. That and is so sad. So sad. Mm-hmm. Ladies, count your blessings. There were, at the time of 1968, 900 women at Penhurst, <gasps> and they didn't have a full-time gynecologist. <gasps> Yep. Oh, my God. And the school only had 11 teachers and none of them specialized in special education. Oh, my God. Yep. Another fun thing that I read about them, uh, Penhurst, I mean, uh, oh, this was a rare form of punishment, but I think it needs to be said. For a time, there was a rare form of punishment and it was for... Patients labeled as, quote, biters. Oh, no. And their punishment was the removal of all of their teeth. (gasps) Yes, it didn't happen all the time, but it was something that they practiced there. Oh, my God. I'm so disgusted by that. (sighs) Yep, 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 yep. Um, Fun fact, if you are in an epileptic episode, you can bite somebody. (laughs) Yeah, they can't help it. They can't control it. Fun, fun, fun times. In 1974, the average age of Penhurst was 36 years old. Oh, my God. And that's not, they called that's them not children. children. They called them children. And the average length of time somebody spent living in Penhurst was 21 years. Oh, my God. Yep. That's like a quarter of a uh, lifetime. I mean, I guess back then it was still a quarter of a lifetime. Although I'm sure... In that situation, your life expectancy dropped. Um, yeah. Substantially. Okay. So now we get into the slightly better bits. In 1974, Penhurst State School and Hospital versus Holderman was filed, and the settlement was called on 1984 for the closure of Penhurst. So this was a landmark landmark Supreme Court case uh, involving resident Terry Lee Holderman. A class act action suit was filed on her behalf against Penhurst uh, because Holderman had reportedly suffered about 40 injuries, including cracked 
teeth, <gasps> fractured teeth, and a broken jaw. Oh my God. Yep. In the end, the Supreme Court found that, quote, the conditions at Penhurst are not only dangerous with residents often physically abused or drugged by staff members, but they are an inadequate, unquote. They found that physical, intellectual, and emotional skills of some residents deteriorated while they stayed at Penhurst, so it needed to go. Um, they didn't say that part. That was me. Well, um, that's gotta go. <laughs> it gotta go. A former resident, Rollin Johnson, stated that Penhurst smelled like a doghouse, quoting, Oh, it's just smelled like feces, rats <gasps> crawling, roaches crawling all over, feces and pee on the floor, oh. flies coming in the windows, unquote. Oh, that's so awful. By God's grace, the institution was officially closed in 1987, but it was not closed soon enough. Um, Definitely not soon in, enough. In the end, there were more than 20 buildings making up the total uh, campus. All were connected by super creepy underground tunnels. And at a time, they were also connected by super creepy catwalks um, mm -hmm. that were above the ground. <laughs> um in the almost 80 years the institution was open, over 10,500 people were residents at Penhurst, and many residents were abused, neglected, and some died due to the treatment. It is unknown how many people died there. Oh my god. Penhurst, the landmark case that I mentioned, had played a huge role in the deinstitutionalization movement that swept the nation after that time. So, I mean, at least there's that. <laughs> However, <laughs> 20 years after its closure, it was purchased for $2 million by businessman Richard, I have no idea how his last name is pronounced, Chaki John? Chacon? I don't know. You got me. C-H-A-K-E-J-I-A-N. No idea. Shagin? Shagin? I don't know. I think it might be like Norwegian or something. Something. Um, and at the lovely suggestion of his teenage son, he turned the Institute into a haunted attraction. And in September 2010, Penhurst Asylum was opened. Also, in 2010, a nonprofit group known as the Penhurst Memorial and Preservation Alliance was formed with the goal of running Penhurst into a museum as a way to respect and honor those who passed through their halls, a feat thwarted by Penhurst Asylum. Of course. We're going to get into the paranormal activity that is supposedly going on there. So I mentioned that there were underground tunnel systems linking um, all the buildings. Yes, there are. Re reportedly, they are the most active with paranormal things. Yep. <laughs> Supposedly. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> Allegedly. There was an, a worker there named Tamara Lawrence. She's no longer a worker. She's now an author. She describes the ghosts that supposedly haunt the Mayflower building. Uh, she worked there in 2011, and here are four ghosts that she mentioned. Ghost numero uno is a child ghost named Howie, 
and he plays with a Fisher Price airplane that is left for him on that floor, oh. on the second floor. Um, and he does not like it if you touch his airplane. Oh. Ghost number two is a shadow man named Fisher. Oh, I don't he like shadow seen, people. Mm-mm. Nope. He is seen in the common room and bathroom. He is named after a name that was written on one of the, the cell walls. He is caught several times in pictures. Oh, God. Allegedly. Ghost number three. A little girl is seen throughout the second floor. No name for her. Oh. Ghost number four, or as I like to call her, the bitch. She is an angry nurse. Re- same. Um, oh, God. <laughs> reports, reports say they felt like they've been stabbed with a needle in the art room, which is where it's said to be where she haunts. Oh. So she's just pissed off and stabbing people with needles. Probably filled with the drug that I can't pronounce. Partable. Partable. <laughs> okay. Other other things that go on in the Mayflower building that other people have reported, not this uh, Samara lady. The third floor of the Mayflower building is reportedly the most active. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love, oh my God, I love BuzzFeed Unsolved. Okay, so I did watch the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode just to get kind of like an idea of what I was getting myself into. One of the hosts asked the ghost, or the room, I guess, how many people... How many of them were in the room and got a response on the spirit box saying three or four. OK. And I was like, OK, <laughs> uh, I'm out of there <laughs> because if it says more than like one word on the spirit box, it, it's like it's got to be a ghost. It got to be a ghost. Do you know what a spirit box is? Um, Vaguely. Could you please tell me, though? OK, so a spirit box is like this, uh, this box, I guess. A little machine that uh, scans radio frequencies at like a hundredth of a second. So it sounds like white noise when it's turned on. Mm-hmm. And basically it's used to pick up uh, voices from beyond. And it, it because it's scanning through radio stations so fast, you you wouldn't really be able to pick up the the words or the whatever going on on those radio stations. So if you hear words coming out of it allegedly it's the ghost speaking and if you hear more than one word like because you'll hear like one word every so often it's from a radio station yeah but if you hear like a string of words that kind of go together like three or four like he he's not like trying to differentiate if the ghost said three or four the ghost said three or four people were in the room like that's a direct Um, quote he said three or four three or four yeah so no thank you yeah, yeah. So that's what a spirit box is. So it's it's really loud because, like I said, it's white noise. But mm-hmm. if there's a string of more than one word, supposedly that's the ghost from the other side speaking through it. Ooh. So it's a creepy queep. Uh, um, very much. In, so we're still in the Mayflower building. In the boiler room, there is a malevolent male entity. Oh, no. Which is my favorite word, uh, named the yeah. king. Oh, God, that's, oh, jeez. The king. You said so many words that I don't like just now. <laughs> One of them was male. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm kidding. <laughs> Boiler room, malevolent male. I'm, I'm male upset. Male entity. Um, 
Supposedly, he was a maintenance worker from the 40s or 50s. Uh, The room smells of cigar smoke, even though nobody has been down there. Things are moved around. He has a creepy laugh. I don't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) He's told people his name. So that's why they've gotten the king. And he's had full-blown conversations with people through spirit boxes and EVPs. So super friendly guy. However, he is a shadow figure. Oh, no, 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 no. Has reportedly touched people. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh Uh-uh. Other things that happened in the fun, the fun uh, Mayflower building, there have been reports of violent banging, people being pushed, little girl laughs down the hall in the physical therapy room in the basement. Oh, God, no. A a glowing apparition of a young girl uh, in the tunnels. Heavy footsteps, door slamming, apparitions peeking around doorways, loud dragging noises, screaming, piano playing, and a woman in a white dress seen throughout the building. <sighs> there are other things. It's not done. I'm not done. Oh, no. <laughs> Two workers reported hearing a voice telling them to, quote, get out, unquote. Oh. And they felt pressure on the bat on their backs guiding them to the front door so not pushing them but just like a pressure on their back and back of the neck just like kind of just like all right now get the fuck out just like someone politely um, ushering them out yes but like hastily <laughs> yeah. um, no get out of my house my dude that's a no from me a visitor uh, reported hearing banging and slamming of doors. Upon investigation, the banging and slamming of doors had stopped. When she and the other people that she was with left, the noises continued. Oh. Um, mm. Super fun. And like I said, in the tunnel system, there is a woman in a white dress. There's another young girl with blonde hair. And a slamming of doors. And my personal favorite... Half torsos of uh. men. Oh no. Uh, okay. In Quaker Hall, moving on. Um <laughs> right people on. have reported people have reported getting pushed. Um, there are reports of a crowbar and other items being thrown around in the basement. That's where I'm like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, um, no, that's mm-mm. If if they're throwing stuff, I need to get out. Throwing crowbars, nonetheless? You pushing me, I'm like, oh, okay, as long as you don't push me on, on like, a wooden spike, I'm good. But you're throwing throwing murder weapons around, okay? Um, One of the security guards reported seeing people, this creeped me out, people looking out of windows and hearing voices from uh, Quaker Hall Upon investigation, they go into the rooms where they from the, where the windows are from outside. There's no one in there Mm-mm. where they saw the people and the doors had not been opened for a long time Oh no! Uh, to those rooms. Um, there are other, other reports of numerous shadows manifesting and dissipating at will. Sightings of a small girl with long black hair. A sighting of a hunched over figure with long dangling arms. That's where I... Stop right there. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Disproportionate arms and torsos and just disembodied anythings. (sighs) Um, The upper portion of bodies looking over or around obstacles. I don't like that. Oh, no. Doors and a rocking chair moving on their own. 
people being scratched when they're not close to anything, and a psychic medium reported that there were several energies in that hall, including either a demonic one or <gasps> a person who was really, really evil. Oh, my God. So I'll the get to fact it that she can't tell the difference between <laughs> an entity from hell and just, just a really a evil, person. evil person. Oh my god, that's so terrifying. Demonic entities have the same spiritual energy as people like Hitler. Um, oh no, <laughs> get to their level in Devon Hall, which is where most of the children were housed when it was open. There are reports of slamming doors, whispering. I don't like that shit. No, no, no. talk. Fucking talk. I don't. No. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) Just, just, it's, ugh. Um, In one of the bathrooms, it has been reported that you can hear someone say they don't have any teeth. (gasps) Yeah. Which brings back to. Poor baby. My, my punishment. In the Limerick building, an apparition of a woman in an old nurse's uniform has been cited by several first responders. Oh, God. In the Philadelphia building, there can be heard. uh, People have reported loud sounds and voices that can be heard throughout the building. Uh -uh. No, no. In the Hershey building, which just sounds like a really nice place because, you know, Hershey Park, Hershey chocolate. I have a feeling that it's not a nice place. (laughs) It's not a nice place, but Penhurst. But the only things that I could find about the building was that there's reports claiming to hear a girl's voice on the third floor which is just creepy just children in general just creepy yeah no because the guy purchased the institution and then built his asylum attraction there have been he has allowed numerous paranormal investigations to take place there and there are countless recordings of evps which are electronic voice phenomenon Mm -hmm. and i really wanted to say phenomenon because i like that word phenomenon Mm -hmm. phenomenon 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 Okay. So there's several <laughs> countless recordings of people's voices, screaming, growls, you name oh, it. Oh, growls. They've, no, thank you. They've recorded it. No, nope, that's a no for growls. me. So today, moving on to like pop culture and such. For a time before Penhurst was purchased, it was a rite of passage for local high school students to break in and break windows, leave murals and graffiti. But now it has 24-hour security since it turned into the attraction in 2010. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't happen anymore. But I mean, can you uh, imagine how much that must have pissed off the spirits, though? Yeah, but I think this would have pissed them off a little bit more is that there, if you go into Penhurst, you will see a lot of pseudo-satanic drawings everywhere and even though there aren't like the stereotypical state like satanic rituals sacrificial things happening um at least there's no reports of that it's believed that a lot of these high schoolers like did seances and all that fun stuff and pseudo demon summoning without realizing that they possibly could have actually summoned something dude they probably they probably did summon demons and now the poor spirits that are actually stuck there are with demons and i mean you you know from psychics that demons oppress the other spirits that live in a place yeah and it's (laughs) 
is probably a no bueno place. I'm Absolutely not. I'm not going to lie. So a little bit of like a media thing. There isn't like a whole lot, but there is a one big one I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. So the first thing is what I've discussed earlier was the expose called Suffer the Little Children, mm-hmm. which I've stated was a NBC 10 expose by Bill Baldini. The expose was a five-part special that aired between the 1st through the 5th of July in 1968. And and the whole total expose, when you add them all up and watch them, is about 35 minutes long. The title, if you're wondering what the hell Suffer the Little Children came from, I was like, if I... (laughs) If I had watched it all the way through, I would have gotten the answer at the end of the expose, which I did watch it all the way through. But I was like, where did this title come from before? It comes from Matthew 19, 14, which is from the King James Version of the Bible. And the quote is, but Jesus said, suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of God. I thought so. it sounded biblical. Yeah, I was like, is this a Bible thing? I don't, I don't know. It just seemed weird. So that is the quote it comes from. And then, as I, I said, uh, Penhurst Asylum was established in 2010. They have the Halloween attraction that offers four haunted houses now. Those attractions are the morgue, the original Penhurst Asylum, containment, which I think is a zombie-related a uh, haunted house yeah. and then they have Mayflower after dark throughout the rest yeah. of the year they offer overnight paranormal investigations and visitors can also purchase tickets for f- a photography tour or a daytime history tour and I will post a their 2018 official because I, I couldn't find a 2019 official trailer of their attractions on the uh Website And I'll also yes. have basically all the things I'll talk about. I'll have links to either their trailers or some of them I was able to actually find full episodes on. So I was able to find the full documentary of Suffer the Little Children. So I'll put that link. So if you want to watch mm-hmm. that, um, that's for your viewing pleasure. I wouldn't um, call it a pleasure, but um, it's there. <laughs> yeah, for your viewing yeah. education. It's... Um, <sighs> Fun fact, um, my sister and her ex-husband used to be actors at the Penhurst Haunted Attraction, and I refused to go because... You're a scaredy cat? I am. I am the worst scaredy cat. And I had seen both of them in their haunted attraction makeup, which in normal daylight is terrifying, let alone in the dark. But they were trying to get me to go the attraction and her her ex-husband specifically said to me that it makes him so happy on a haunt when someone pees their pants because they're so scared rude yeah so i was like "Mm, yeah you just said that and you're trying to convince me to go yeah that's not going to happen sorry it's a no for me dog that's (laughs) a no for me dog oh ryan that's scared me i was like (laughs) it sounded like a growl when it first popped on and i was like oh my god um but hold on stand by (laughs) hey babe can you close the door please yeah where are you then what what was the the netflix badoom that i just heard 
I thought you did it. Son of a bitch. Are we haunted? Oh, my God. <laughs> I need to see this quick fast. I'm scared. Oh, Wait. Someone. I mean, why am I scared? You Your ghost is going to watch Netflix. D- I did not. Well, the TV's on. Babe, I didn't turn the TV on. Well, the Samsung logo's on. Okay, we're really haunted, babe. You call bullshit, I'm freaked out. That TV I mean, has ghost, been off all day. Let the ghost watch its Netflix, okay? If that's all it wants to Legit, do, let it do I watched, I watched a corny Christmas special this morning, and then I turned it off. I don't think you turned it off. I specifically been, turned it off. You, we've been recording for the last, like, three hours. Rose, you heard it here first. My apartment's haunted, and my husband doesn't believe me. You know, actually, I had a dream that your house, your apartment was haunted a couple days ago. Oh, gee, thanks. You had a premonition. I'm a witch. Okay, well, I'm freaked out. Why don't you continue? Why don't I continue my spooky story? And then we have to do spooky stories right after this. Please do. I'm going to go immediately to the store and buy sage when we're done here. Awesome. Okay, so another pop culture thingy. Ghost Hunters did a investigation and... I found the episode. Oh, um, really? Is it like yes? And I was postable. I was able to like, watch can we it. share it? I guess. I mean, it was on DailyMotion.com, so I don't know how. Interesting. That I'll, works. I'm gonna figure out how to embed that on our blog. Yes. So it's the entire episode. No commercials. Yay. Mm, yeah. Um, and it was uh, the second episode in their seventh season, and aired on the second of March, two thousand eleven. And then we come to the big baddie. Oh, man. The big one. The head honcho. The big kahuna. American Horror Story Asylum, which (gasps) was their second season, which aired on my birthday, 2012, October 17th. You are not about to tell me it's based on Penhurst. Yes. Oh, my God. American Horror Story Asylum based its asylum off of Penhurst. Obviously, extremely, extremely dramatized. Um, obviously. I, I've watched most of American Horror Story uh, seasons, and I rewatched uh, half of the first episode earlier today. And the pictures that they show, or I guess like the set, is very much what you would see if you went into Penhurst today. Like with all the... Because, I mean, if you go into Penthouse, all of the equipment is still left there for the most part. You see it was beds, just they just up and just, left it was pretty completely much. up and left. And when you watch the the show and they're in the present time because it takes place in the 50s and 60s, I think. But when they're in the present showing what the institution looks like now, it's also run down. There is excessive amount of vegetation that's grown over and inside of the building that's not in Penhurst as much, at least not as prevalent. I mean, there is a lot. There's a few buildings that are completely overgrown. Nature just took them back. And the ones that people are allowed in, there's not, it's more of like the abandoned feel more so Mm -hmm. than like the nature taking back. So it's pretty accurate in the way it looks like that with all the graffiti on the walls and stuff like that. The doors that don't really open. So, and some of the treatments that they did there were pretty similar, although the kinds of patients that they took in weren't the same as the ones that Penhurst took in. So, obviously, very dramatized and not accurate. It's probably, like, 3% accurate. The show is ridiculous, but I love it. Uh, (laughs) 
asylums are my my like number one fear. I've always been afraid to like be committed and people tell me I'm crazy and nobody believes me. And that's like a fear that I have. Um, it's a pretty American, good fear. I know it's a pretty good fear. I think it's pretty solid. Pretty legit. American American Horror Story. It has a 77% average Rotten Tomato score and a 71% average audience score. Asylum was one of their popular seasons. I know that for sure, but I also know that like everybody loves Coven. So, <laughs> and Murder House, which Chelsea's like, I don't know any of these. I um, don't. I don't watch <laughs> AHS. Sorry. Uh, I love it. And yes, Penhurst was the inspiration for American Horror Story Asylum. So if you wanted to really know how bad it was, the creepy creators of American Horror Story were like, yes, let's use that. That is what we want to base our stuff off of. And then to wrap up the last two, they just recently released this year a documentary um i say they like there's like a person there was a documentary called (laughs) penhurst that was released this year it's available for rent on amazon prime it's called penhurst i don't know if i said that uh it's it's directed by jody alexandria taylor and the documentary explores the institution's history and explores society's perception of those with intellectual disabilities. It only had six ratings, but it was averaged at four and a half stars. <laughs> There's is not much more the, on it after that. Is this that. the documentary you told me I wasn't allowed to watch? No. no. that The one I told you I'm not, you know, I'll watch is the one I'm about to... Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I spoiled it. <laughs> this year, A&E... For their Halloween special, although it aired October 30th on Mischief Night, aired the, quote, world's biggest ghost hunt, which is the title of it. It was a paranormal investigation that lasted two weeks and the investigators resided in Penhurst Asylum. Unfortunately, I... I mean, it's not unfortunate that I live in the United Kingdom. This is my dream come true. But unfortunately, A&E is not available here. So I could not watch this episode, but I have the trailer up. It is available on A&E if you have any like Xfinity or whatever. A TV subscription. Some kind of TV cable provider. If you have a TV cable provider, you can log into A&E and watch it. It's a two hour long special. And apparently a lot of shit went down and nobody would say anything about it because they were like, it just came out. You've got to watch it. And I'm like, I can't watch it. So I thought you were going (laughs) to ask your brother Lonnie to watch it for you. Did he not? Lonnie. No, I asked the other two. I lost the younger two, Christian and Adrian. And they were like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then they never did. Why would you corrupt Um, sweet baby Adrian like that? Sweet baby Adrian is already corrupted. Um, Damn it, Rose. So that's all I have on Penhurst. So Mm. now we get to talk about how Chelsea feels about Penhurst Asylum. Well, Rose, I mean, I'm proud of you because I challenged you to find something about Penhurst that I did not know. And you did. You did. I did not know that American Horror Story had a season based on the asylum or inspired by, I should say. (sighs) But yeah, I'm I'm really sorry that I made you do this because it's it's a heavy episode, but it's my deepest, darkest fear. Every time, (laughs) 
like, I mean, you said earlier, you and I were raised maybe 45 minutes to an hour away from this place. So I grew up hearing about it. Like it was kind of something that I always knew about. And then, you know, when I was old enough, I did my research on it and I did a deep dive on it and it scarred me. Like I cry every, every few years. I like, I'll forget details about it and I'll, I'll research it again. Cause it's not something that you should ever forget. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's such, such an, it's such an, an awful story. Of our history. It is. It's so important. And it's such a horrible story that I, I feel like I should never forget about it because it would be an injustice to the people that suffered through it. Yeah. And like, we'll do other episodes on highlighting the treatment of mental patients and such like, and all that. But I thought it was really important that we kind of started with this. And then, I mean, also, it's the first paranormal one. We all got a little spooky. I know I did. Like, as I was reading this, I was just like, please don't let anybody just like ghost apparition, grab my legs and pull me out of my little tent. Um, <laughs> I know. I felt bad while you were researching this. You were <laughs> telling me how freaked out you were. And I was like, oh, I, I should send her sage. Yeah. And your mom beat me to it. So I'm glad. My mommy is sending me sage, guys. She is. I'm glad um, she I'm glad she sent you sage because I tried yeah. to send you like sage scented incense from Etsy and Etsy didn't like me. Yeah, I don't want to bring back anything. Um, my, the place that I live is definitely not haunted, but I don't want to bring anything with me considering I'll be going on some ghost tours and stuff. But I do have a personal story about Penhurst. I know Ooh, that I said earlier. I know. I know that I said earlier I didn't really know about it. Um, before it became an attraction in 2010 and I saw like the billboards and I was like I'm definitely not going there y'all are out of your mind um and then I went to college for four years and then never saw the posters again and then I come (laughs) back and I'm like oh my god what the hell is Penhurst Asylum never going to that so my grandmother who I affectionately call Momo as everybody knows and Mm -hmm. she's trying to listen to these episodes has a cousin who was born with a fused skull, I believe. With what? Um, his, he didn't have a soft spot because his his skull was, like, fusing. So his brain, oh, okay. it, there wasn't going to be any room for his brain. And mind you, obviously, my grandmother was born in 1945. Her cousins mm-hmm. are about, she's the oldest of her cousins. So they were born about, I, I think they were done being born about 15 years after. So, so 50s or sure. 60s? Yeah, so 50s or 60s, so they didn't have, like, the... I'm sure they didn't have, like, the surgeries that they have now for when infants are born that way. Mm -hmm. He was also born blind, I believe, or he was injured sometime after birth that caused the blindness. So so he he had brain damage. Yes, he had had, uh, substantial brain damage, and he grew up in this institution. And my grandmother... It can't be 100% sure because she can't remember because it was such a long time ago. Believes it was Penhurst because he lived in Pennsylvania. And as I stated, they did have a blind program. Oh, my God. And he had mental disabilities. And, of course, there weren't that many institutions in Pennsylvania at the time. Mm-mm. Regardless if he was at Penhurst or not, he also suffered through neglect and abuses as well. And oh my his God. mother couldn't do anything about it because they just 
always refused, either denied her entry into the institution or it was just too far away and she couldn't make it. They literally and would not let her see her own child. Yeah, they would. I mean, he was at this point a little older. Yeah, but still a child. You're right. Um, yeah, would say that's like, her oh, child. He's, yeah, like he's in treatment or I'm sure something like some kind of excuse. So she couldn't really see the things that were happening to him and she had no and when she found out she really couldn't remove him oh my god either because she had no financial means of taking care of him and eventually my mom said she believes that sometimes and sometime in the 80 he was moved to a different facility because that facility that he was in shut down which makes me believe it's possible it could be penhurst especially yeah. since they lived in the south philly like mm-hmm. my family comes from the south philly south jersey area yeah. so even if he wasn't in penhurst something like this has touched my family and it wasn't that i mean he's still alive that's uh, just so i mean it's i'm so glad that you know, he made it out of that institution, but it's crazy. Like, I mean, like you said, his mother couldn't afford to take care of him. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's so sad. Like there are parents that did not want to put their children in these places, but because they were low income, they couldn't afford to take care of a child with special needs. Yeah. And it, it's kind of like, I knew about this cousin, but I obviously didn't connect it to um, the Penhurst or didn't really talk about his time being institutionalized. Um, and I didn't want my mom to ask uh, his mother about mm-hmm. any of the things that were going on for this podcast. But no, that's she, a sensitive so topic. I based it off of I based it off of um, her memory of it. And like I said, it did happen a long time ago, so I can't be 100 percent sure it happened in Penhurst, but it happened in an institution like Penhurst. Yeah. Um, I mean, once Penhurst shut down or once once, you know, it was beginning to be shut down, that started a wave of mental health awareness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It started this wave of awareness around the state and then the East Coast and then the whole country. Yeah. So (sighs) true crime. Yes, it's a crime against humanity. Absolutely crime against humanity. And a nice little paranormal story for everybody. I wish we had like a nice little anecdote. Yes, signed it off. <laughs> um, I'm sorry we're leaving you guys on a low note. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, while we're recording this, uh, tomorrow is Veterans Day. So happy Veterans Day. We late Veterans Day to all our veterans. I know I have my mom and my dad and my friend Cassandra and my yeah. pop-up who died, passed away this year. He is a veteran as well. And Chelsea has a veteran. I do. My husband is a veteran. Ryan is. And I mean, most of the men in my family have served and both his parents have served. So we honor and appreciate them. Yes. So happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Um, Day. If you enjoyed this episode of Dinner and a Murder, please subscribe and tell your friends to tune in. For more information about the crimes and paranormal things we discussed today with the movies and the restaurant i went to uh you can check out our website please like and follow our facebook page at damn podcast it's <laughs> d-a-a-m i love it um our twitter at damn pod <laughs> d-a-a-m <laughs> 
and our Instagram at dinner and a murder, not damn. Um. <laughs> nope, just dinner and a murder on Instagram, plain and simple. Also, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. It helps so much to get good reviews. That's actually how iTunes algorithm works to put podcasts like under your recommendations. So every little bit helps. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or want to leave a suggestion, you can message us on our Facebook page or email us at dinnerandamurderpod at gmail.com. And if you would like to help us keep this podcast going, please consider joining our Patreon. We have some really cool treats for you. If you do, like we have a listener poll coming up. So patrons, I believe that donate $5 or more can vote on the topic of an episode that we discussed that month. So really cool stuff. And there's also other ways to support us if you would prefer not to use Patreon, which you can find on our website. All the links that we mentioned are in our link tree. All of the videos and all of my resources are going to be on the website. If you're interested in looking into Pethurst further, please be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. And if you would like to be featured in our new segment. Tea time and crime. Yes, I named it and I forgot what it was called. Already. It is our listener segment. If you have any personal paranormal stories, that could be ghosts, aliens. I would prefer not demons, but if you got some demon stories, hit it with me. Um, <laughs> uh, true crime, if it's happened to you or if it's a or somebody you know or it's a, t- a local true crime that's just swept the nation. I know Chelsea and I are going to be doing... A couple, a local true crime segment for us. We are. Spoiler. Coming up. <laughs> or if you just have like a local urban myth, legend, or your favorite urban myth or legend. I love me some creepy pastas. Just keep them short and you can <laughs> send them to us and they will be featured in our listener episode. Our, we drop them every last Tuesday of the month. So our first yes. one is coming up on November 26th, I think is the last Tuesday. I um, think so. I, think I don't know. That's the last Tuesday of the, November. I don't know. Excuse me. Whatever the last <laughs> Tuesday in November is, it is coming. And our first episode will be kind of special because Rose and I have our own stories to tell you guys. Yes, we have some personal stories that we will share. So if you want to have your story, email us. <laughs> uh, yes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Thursday. Bon appetit. Okay. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, shit, I forgot. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, ready? All right, I'm yeah. going to count on the okay. one, two, three. Bon, bon appetit. Oh, my yeah. gosh. All right. We Goodbye. did it. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>